When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Afternoons. Julian Destook with you until 3 o'clock. Uh, great to have you company on another pretty grey old Melbourne day. At least there's no rain today. And certainly the forecast looks better for the rest of the week. And, God, can you imagine if this test had been moved to the MCG? With what we've learnt uh, in the last... Uh, couple of hours that it's now sort of a little hot spot given uh, what happened during the test with someone eventually uh, testing positive. There's a pop-up site testing, testing site. site's been set up at the MCG. So in the end, probably thank God it is being played at the SCG. The Australians are out there in the nets uh, as we speak, uh, as you heard in the news there, that uh, the 11 has been finalised, but it hasn't been named. Will Pekoski will open uh, if he does play. Just saw a tweet from Dan Bredick, uh, who said that, uh, you know, David Warner's little routine over the years has been to uh, have some throwdowns with his fellow opener, and of course that's been Joe Burns uh, in recent times, but he was doing that with Will Pekoski a short time ago, so I'm not sure if that's a, a little... Uh, indicated that Will might be about to make his test taboo. So we'll speak to Gavin Robinson uh, very shortly, part of the SEN cricket commentary team, about all his thoughts uh, on this third test. It's been an amazing build-up from where the game should be played to to who Australia should pick. We know they've picked their 11, as we just say, uh, just said, but we don't know exactly the makeup of it yet. So I'd be interested to get Gavin Robinson's thoughts. Should Pekoski open? Uh, and if that is the case, uh, is it Matthew Wade or is it Travis Head uh, that makes way? Also, plenty of other cricket on the show just after one o'clock. Uh, we'll chat to the coach of the Adelaide Strikers, Jason Gillespie. Uh, they had a very big win over the Melbourne Renegades again last night. Renegades, just a shocking season uh, for them since they won the title. Four wins from their last 22 matches. Uh, and they've still got six to go this season. Now, most of those in Melbourne, which is a good thing for the Renegades, but once again, soundly beaten last night. And that, the two teams play again on Friday night, which could be interesting because there was some spice uh, right near the end there between uh, Richardson and... Uh, who uh, gave uh, Salt a spray from the strikers uh, during their innings, and then he copped it when he went out uh, late in the innings. So um, interesting times there. We'll speak to Jason Gillespie. Mike Hussey was one on the coverage on Fox Cricket. He didn't like the look of it, um, but it certainly added some spice to the game that was sort of petering out uh, towards the end. So we'll speak to Jason Gillespie about that shortly after 1 o'clock. Now, there's 198 days to go until the Olympics. Uh, Well, hopefully they'll be on. I mean... In Japan at the moment, their COVID situation isn't good. We know the COVID situation's in big parts of Europe and the United States and obviously what's going on in Britain at the moment is not good. So we hope we get an Olympics uh, in uh, Tokyo in 198 days' time and uh, I'm sure all the Australian athletes are hoping that is the case and and we'll speak to one of of our stars of the pool, uh, Kate Campbell, uh, later on in the show. And ahead of... The chat with Kate. I'd love to get your thoughts on one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send us a temper text zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 
do you still love the Olympics? I mean, growing up uh, for me in the sort of uh, late 80s and early 90s, the Olympics was the event. It was the one that everyone was looking forward to every four years. Uh, you'd tune in even if it was on sort of at all hours of the night and uh, you'd absolutely love it. Do people still feel the same way? Are they looking forward to the Olympics? Has it lost their luster a little bit? I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, either on the open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send us a temper text, a naturalist like no other, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And off the back of that, what are your favourite Olympic memories or even your first Olympic memories? For me, it was Seoul. Uh, that was the first Olympics I remember, and that was such a controversial uh, Olympics. Off King was an amazing gold medal uh, for Australia where she lunged late and, and got there in a photo. So that was my first memories. What are some of your first memories and some of your favourite uh, Olympic uh, moments. Uh, I'd have to say for me, uh, Kieran Perkins in 1996 was, he was written off, he scraped into the final in lane eight. Daniel Kowalski, the fellow Australian, was the red-hot favourite to win the final and then uh, Perkins swam the race of his life uh, to make it uh, back-to-back gold medals uh, in the 1500 metres. Yeah, an amazing moment. I remember that was sort of on early hours of the morning uh, in Australia. And uh, th- that's the other great thing about the Olympics from my point of view is it's only every four years. So you have to perform on the day. And, and there was this, that was an example of the agony and the ecstasy. You heard the commentator there, Neil Brooks, was really excited, obviously, for Daniel Kowalski uh, to win the silver medal. But for Daniel, and he's spoken about this several times, and uh, he was a feature guest on This Is Your Sporting Life late in 2020, that was so disappointing for him, and it took him years to recover from that. He was the red-hot favourite, uh, and then, you know, Kieran Perkins was lane eight, and everyone after the way Kieran was swimming in the heats and the semifinals uh, expected uh, Daniel to win, and he didn't win, and it really affected him uh, for a long time, where for Kieran Perkins... In the space of a day, he went from probably doubting himself and everyone doubting him to winning uh, the gold medal in in the greatest performance of his life. So it's that emotion at either end of the spectrum which uh, makes the Olympics uh, very, very special. As I said, probably my first memory was Seoul uh, 1988 and uh, probably the most controversial race in Olympic history. Beautifully called here uh, by Bruce McEvaney. You hear some of the other calls around the world, but Bruce absolutely nailed this like he did uh, with Debbie Flintoff-King. Uh, and this was his call of Ben Johnson's controversial 100 metre, in inverted column, commas, victory. Away. Johnson, a great start. Lewis, not too bad. Stewart away well. Johnson in front. Lewis coming at him. Johnson's got a great lead. He's going to win. Ben wins. Johnson. Big and run. the time is 9.79. If it's legal, he's broken the world record. Greatest athlete, the greatest sprinter ever. He's taken it off Lewis in the most fantastic fashion. And Carl has faced defeat in the Olympic arena for the first time. And this is extraordinary, and I think it's legal. 
It's the fastest time ever. And we've... Yeah, it's funny because Bruce, you might think there he's saying, is it legal talking about potentially performance enhancing drugs? He's talking about the wind. Was it wind assisted? If it was wind assisted, uh, it might not be a legal world record. But as we know, in the next 24 hours after that, it blew up. And uh, Ben Johnson, of course, was um, tested positive to the anabolic steroid. And Carl Lewis was handed the race. So unbelievable drama. And it's a race that's still talked about, what are we now, 33 years later. And I guess if you're talking about the agony and the ecstasy, it. 2000 Olympics, Jane Savile's disqualification when she was just about to enter the stadium in front in the walk was that was about as emotional uh, as you could get. So I'd love to see uh, hear some of your memories. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Send us a temper text zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And and just your thoughts on on whether you still are passionate about the Olympics. You're looking forward to it. Or has it lost a bit of its uh, luster over the years for you? And, of course, today, another topic. AFL teams are back training and just scouring through Twitter. You know, Timmy English suddenly looks bigger at Bulldogs training and we're all getting excited about players that have come back trimmer or, or bigger. If you go back to 12 months ago, there was a lot of excitement around Christian Petrarca and the condition he came back in at Melbourne and it resulted in a fantastic year on the field. So from your team, who do you want to see come back in, in ripping Nick? Who needs a big summer uh, from your point of view? I mean, I think a lot of Collingwood supporters would say Jordan Tagoe needs a, a big summer, needs to come back super fit and become a player that uh, doesn't struggle with the injuries. He was unlucky this year. You can't help the, the torn finger tendon, but someone that can be consistently uh, elite, but there might be another player at your club that you'd love to see have a big 2021 and and come back in ripping Knicks. So I'd love to get your thoughts uh, on that one as well. Already some coming through on the temper text machine uh, about the Olympic Games. Uh, first one here from Jason. Sally Pearson winning gold and her, then her reaction when it was official on the scoreboard. Unreal. Uh, this one from Joe. I haven't heard this song. But I'm going to have to YouTube it during the break. My favourite memory of Olympics is the Moscow song from 19. 19- 1980. I still listen to it today. That's Joe from Roval. And then another one here, we've asked you your thoughts on the Olympics. Do you still love it? And this one just says, despise the Olympic Games. So clearly for some, it, it has lost uh, the luster uh, that we've seen over the years. And we're talking about the agony and the ecstasy of the Olympics. Kate Campbell is a, a fantastic example of that as well. She won the relay gold uh, in, two, uh, in Rio and then favourite for the 100 individual. And she finished sixth, which was just... A huge disappointment and something that she's taken a long time uh, to get over as well. So we'll speak to Kate about that. Also on the show today, uh, always entertaining and always informative, Corey Homicide-Williams will talk all things NBL and NBA. Uh, Obviously, the NBL's had a big 24 hours with quite a few rescheduling of matches and interesting to see how long that does affect the NBL season. Larry Kesselman said playing in front of empty stadiums is is an absolute last resort. I mean, there has been some thoughts that maybe the NBL could do what the WNBL did, just hub, smash out a season as quickly as possible. But uh, Larry Kesselman, the boss, uh, doesn't want to do that. And obviously plenty going on in the NBA. Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers are flying. Unfortunately, Dante Exum, we spoke about the injury uh, he suffered on the show uh, yesterday. The latest coming out of the States is he's set to miss one to two months with a calf injury. So it's on Achilles, uh, which is the good news. But in saying that, it's another setback for a, a young man that's had a knee reconstruction, uh, several shoulder injuries as well. So hopefully Dante Exum can come back uh, as quickly as possible. And, and sticking with American sport, now we speak spoke yesterday too about the Cleveland Browns. What a great story that uh, is through to the uh, playoffs for the first time in 19 years. But talk about 
not an ideal lead-up for their uh, wildcard match against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their coach, Kevin Stefanski, has tested positive to COVID. He won't be coaching on the weekend. Two other coaching staff members, two other players have also tested uh, positive. So special teams coordinator Mike Pfeiffer will coach. And then wide receiver Rashad Higgins has been cited for drag racing uh, overnight. So you'd think when you got your first playoff series for 19 years, you'd want a pretty smooth transition into the game. But certainly not the case uh, with the Cleveland Browns. So plenty going on uh, in American sport. Uh, Jump on the open line, as we say, 1-300-736-736. Dale uh, from Hobart has done that with an Olympic memory. Afternoon, Dale. Are you there, mate? Got you, mate. How are you? Good, mate. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Yeah, it's good. Listen, I think my first Olympic memory would have been 1984 and Dean Lucan uh, weightlifting. And also, I'm pretty sure we won a cycling gold medal in that 1984 Olympics because my parents got me out of bed for it. And I was only, uh, I would have only been six or seven at the time. So I remember that. Um, but, you know, clearly my, the greatest one in my time would be Kieran Perkins winning that 1500 metres yeah. from, um, from lane eight. And I think internationally, um, although Cathy Freeman, the 2000 Olympics was a huge build-up, but I just remember uh, in 1988, uh, Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson yeah. and the build-up to that race and then what happened afterwards, that just sticks with me forever because I, I love, you know, athletics and the 100-metre sprint especially. Um, there's nothing better than that. And you talk about, does the Olympics still mean as much to me as what it used to? Now, I'm 44, probably doesn't mean as much as it used to, but I still love those... Uh, massive events like the 100 metre sprints and the, the big swimming events and the cycling and whatnot. So there's nothing better than that and just cheering your country on and um, yeah, getting the results as we do at times. Yeah, thank you for your call, Dale. Yeah, Dean Lucan is coming through pretty strongly uh, on the temper text machine as well. I uh, remember watching Dean Lucan win gold. We watched it at school. Everyone went off, says Rory in Darwin. I agree. I think the athletics is the highlight of the Olympics. And it doesn't have to be an Australian competing, as you say. The 100 metres, uh, we've seen some of the long-distance uh, events with Gabriel Celesi in, in recent Olympics have been absolutely unbelievable. But uh, we'll get more of your Olympic memories and your thoughts on the Olympics uh, throughout the show. Of course, we're going to speak to Kate Campbell uh, a little bit later, but we'll take a break here on SEN Afternoons and we'll chat the third test after the break with Gavin Robinson. Uh, great work from Judd out the back. That is that Olympic song from 1980. I, I must admit, I've never heard that before, but uh, it was popular with one of our uh, temper texters. Uh, so uh, thank you for your nomination. We'll keep reading them out and taking your calls uh, a little bit later in the show. I've also asked for your thoughts on footy and who needs a big preseason. A few have come through already on the temper text machine. One here from J Dog. Josh Bruce was in poor condition last season, training in COVID isolation. Obviously didn't agree with him. Needs a big summer preseason. Uh, another one here from Tom Hawthorne. Need Jonathan Patton to have a big preseason. Make or break year for him. Big potential. Can't get on the park. And Mark, hi, Jules. As an Essendon supporter, it's Jake Stringer. Needs the preseason from hell to get in shape and hopefully dominate. And another one here, Mark from Craigie Burn. This sounds like Andy Ma. Looking forward to seeing Caleb Marchbank have a full year of football for the Blues. But we're going to talk some cricket now. The third test, less than 24 hours away, and a big part of the SEN commentary team is Gavin Robinson, and he joins us on the line. G'day, Gavin. Happy New Year. And to you, mate. Before we get on to the cricket, you're a big fan of the Giants um, in the AFL. Who from the Giants needs a big preseason yeah. in your uh, in your eyes? Oh, look, I think preseason is important. I've been I've been there geez, eleven years now, and I, I you tend to love them like your own kids. But um, 
I am hopeful. Um, I, I talk about Marchbank, but I, I, I do miss him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was with us for a while. But um, oh, look, I, I think, um, I think they're going okay. From what I've spoken to uh, a couple of the coaches last week, so all's looking okay, to be honest. Um, but uh, you guys are looking at players that have, let's call it ten, fifteen, twenty percent of okay. When's it going to happen? What are the doubts? When's the season starting? What you know? There's a bit of a you know question in each player's mind. Yeah, it's interesting. Leon Cameron's always said Caleb Marchbank is the one that got away in terms of the Giants out of all the players that he did lose. Let's turn our attention to the cricket. First of all, mm. Gav, you've got to give us a Sydney weather update. How are we going to go in the first couple of days with the weather? I think it's indifferent. Um, you know, uh, sometimes it's it just hurls down, and the next minute it can get hot quickly. So. It's been up and down the last six days, so you know I'm I'm, I'm concerned that um, my mail from the SCG has taken on a fair bit of water, so um, they've extended the the protection of the wicket by probably 20 metres to so that that water doesn't affect the wicket too much and just have genuine moisture. But I think the SCG isn't what it used to be. Do you know how you know growing up we we all knew it was a uh, very much a turning wicket these days. It's just such a, uh, a typical bouncy wicket. It's, it's generally got good pace early. It doesn't spin anywhere near like it used to. So I just call it a magnificent wicket. I think India uh, don't mind it. Uh, I, I, I think, for example, I don't think India like the Gabba, for example. So that's probably why they're talking a little bit about that. But I expect the SCG to be brilliant. And we'll never go back to that spinning wicket, will we? That's just a thing of the past. It's just a mystery. Um, young kids can't even believe we talk like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it used to turn square, and well, the degrees have changed a lot these days. It doesn't turn much at all, but it doesn't matter about turn anymore because Nathan Lyon has taught the world um, about finger spinning. And if you're going to be a successful finger spinner in Australia, you've got to bowl over the top and get bounce. And bounce is the real key. And you'll find, you know, you can probably remember Shane Warne even doing well at the Gabba. Yep. It was all due to bounce. And bounce is one of the most important parts of spin bowling, yet we forget that. So if any young kids or coaches, dads, etc., cetera, listening, um, don't forget bounce is important. I think Nathan Lyon will do magnificently. Chatting to Gavin Robinson in the build-up to the third test between Australia and India and uh, Nathan Lyon's counterpart, Ravi Ashwin's going pretty well as well. Now, but we've heard this morning, Gav, the Australians are in- in-house. They've, uh, they know what the 11 will be. Um, which way do you think they're going to go with the openers? And if it's Bukowski, who do you think misses out out of Travis Head and Matthew Wade? Uh, I think it'll be... Well, firstly, it'll be Wade, um, only because he's realistically filling in um, at the opening position. I, I think it'll come down to... I think Pukowski and Warner are going to play. But I think that um, Justin Langer will be tossing the coin. I, I've got this real feeling he has a very strong passion around Wade. Um, so it's going to... He'll test, the, he'll test the title with regard to will Head survive. And, and look... I'm a bit concerned with Head's form of late, uh, as a few players, but um, I look. I'm absolutely convinced that India uh, understand how our top six play, and a lot of people are asking the same question about 
what are the Indian tactics? Well, they've completely changed it. And how the Indians are bowling to us has has affected us because we've got four of our top six who play across the line a fair bit. And India have changed the game where they're not really trying to live outside or off stump anymore. So our top six has major concerns. And you know who's the biggest concern is our coach, Justin Langer. He has the biggest concern, you mean? Absolutely. Yep. I, you know, I know him well. He's not, he's not a panic type of person, but I think he'll have some panic in regard to how the Indian team are bowling to us. So if, you, if you're watching, if everyone's watching, and just watch how much at times they attack middle and leg stump. And what they're really saying to us is, okay, well, if you want to walk across the deck and, and play off middle and use it like your leg stump and keep the score going, well, we're going to change the field. We're going to have five on the leg and four on the off, which is the complete reverse of how we've all been taught the game should be played. It's always been a 5-4 off field off, or 6-3. And these days, India, you'll see numerous times five people on the leg. They'll be attacking middle and leg and saying to Australia, if you think you're so good, try and hit the ball hard through more people on the leg side. Then when you miss, we're going to hit middle and leg. Then you'll be out LBW. And that, and it's really happening. And I think the, the whiteboard in the Australian dressing room is covered up with ideas and examples of how to play because we're definitely talking about our technique and what we need to do because it's pretty obvious that India have worked some of it out. So the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Now, we know Steve Smith, he's a smart man. Uh, he's, a, he's obsessed with batting, and he would have been thinking a lot about what's happened to him in the series so far. So what do you expect him to do differently, given we would all expect that the Indians are, are going to adopt the same tactics as you just mentioned? It's a massive question, Julian. I mean, just imagine what he'd be thinking. So, yes, OK, we've said that he hasn't scored incredibly like he, we expect him to. But is he going to change the way he plays? And I cannot see that happening. I can't see him standing still. I can't see him playing from middle or middle and leg and playing down the ground straight. So um, I, I, I'm very concerned. I, I think he's good enough. He's going to have to back his eye, which he's always done. And he's just said... My eye is too good. I can see the ball, and I'm going to back myself to hit it. And it, so it's it's a it's game on because I don't think he can change his his style. I don't think that we're going to see him stop the move the, the amount of movement that he has on the crease. So he'll continue being him, and India will either fail at, at adopting the plan, or they'll do very well and probably probably succeed against him. So. I mean, are you asking me or any of the Australians, are we nervous to Steve Smith? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I am. And it's only because of the tactic. Yeah, and we haven't said that a lot, a, a, for a long time, have we? When he walks out the bat, you've normally got uh, supreme yeah. confidence. Speaking of tactics, if Will Pekoski does open the batting and he plays, they've said he's definitely opening the batting. What sort of tactics do you think India will employ to Will? I know a lot of his um, head knocks and concussion haven't been from short pitch bowling, but... Do you think they will bowl a bit shorter to test him out or just have their sort of normal plans? Oh, I th- they'll, they'll bowl a few short balls for sure. I don't think that'll be their primary plan. He will fall into their... I bet you his name is on the whiteboard of players that play a lot like Labuschagne, Steve Smith, 
um, Joe Burns, for example, players that get right across from Midland leg to Midland off. So he's he's in the list. Now, if, you, if you've seen him play a fair bit, you, you see how much he moves again. So he does own the stumps. So I can't see India doing anything other than the same plan for for Pukowski as they're going to do for Labuschagne and Steve Smith. And, and and look, that's a lot of pressure on a young bloke making his debut. It is a lot of pressure, absolutely, against an Indian side that's in, in very good form. Uh, we're speaking to Gavin Robinson about the lead-up to the third test between Australia and India. You mentioned before, quite rightly, that uh, the Indians enjoy playing at the SCG. They've shown in the last couple of test series they enjoy the wicket at the MCG as well. So who do you like for this match? I mean, Australia, I'm sure, will start favourites because they, they generally do in home test matches. But but who do you like going into this match? Oh, you know, I love my country. Um, but <laughs> if I'm... Like to win, not... I, I, yeah. look, it's definitely a 50... Yeah, it's a 50-50 battle. I mean, it's it's. I don't see it being anything other than that because um, their fight back was um, not... It, it was actually expected. And a lot of us commentators who were involved in the Adelaide Test match made mistakes. And that mistake was, oh, my God, Australia are going to win this 4-0. They're all over India. But what we didn't do, and there was a couple who said to me, did you actually look at the statistics and see how much time of the actual game that India were successful? And we didn't. You know, we all got carried away with India being rolled out for 36. But, you know, India actually played better for a greater amount of time in that first test, yet alone lo- let alone lost the fact. So let's not get too carried away with that first test, and I think it's a 50-50 battle. And and can our top six... I mean, the bottom one is, can our top six conquer the tactic against India and, and score big runs? Because we're searching for hundreds. Because let, let's look at the runs that we have scored, and we haven't built partnerships. So if we can build partnerships, we'll be OK. What's the feeling around Sydney about this test match? Obviously, we know it's only 25% capacity. Um, from people you're speaking to that would normally go to the cricket, are they still keen to go? Are they comfortable to go? Will they stay away this year because of the COVID situation? What's sort of the, the general feeling, Sydney? I think the feeling is a lack of confidence. And um, I was lucky to run into a, a, a few New South Wales players away on holidays over the last few days. And, you know, a few a few of the odd jokes said, well, look, by the time we get to day one of the test match, uh, the government might drop it down to 5,000 people a day. So who knows? But uh, I, I think that the actual public now are losing confidence. They don't want to end up and have to go through what Victoria went through. We saw Victoria have very six, a very tough six months. So, well, I think that... Uh, you know, I don't see crowds playing a major role in this test match. And I think, uh, you know, most people will be viewing it from their television. I don't want to sound negative in the way I'm purveying that, but I just see that's the way I'm... When I see the public at the shops or different phone calls or different messages, you have definite lack of confidence. Yeah, I think that that's realistic. And just just finally, on, on a different note, uh, Adam Collins, part of the cricket uh, commentary team here at SEN, has got a great new... Uh, podcast, The Final Frontier, talking about the Australian India rivalry and how it's built. And you feature in part two, 1998, the tour to India. You've got some great stories about that tour. What, just in a snapshot, uh, what are your memories of, of that, uh, that, that tour? 
well, I, I just remember myself saying to Steve, well, I'm going to be getting out and about and looking at India, taking videos and photos. I want to venture out. And we actually were not allowed to, but uh, we did. And uh, Stephen and I, uh, we set out on 26 different days or nights and we used to pay the, the taxi driver to take us around everywhere and, and get to know India. And it, was, it was an amazing trip, mate. But then you just turn up to the test match. And I think over the three tests we uh, had, I think it was 588,000 people turn up to the three test matches. So it was game on. Sachin, Sachin versus Shane Warne. But it was incredibly exciting. And, yeah, I really enjoyed the, the conversation. I think it was about an hour conversation with Adam. And it was about life. So hopefully people will enjoy it. Yeah, it's a, he does some great work, Adam Collins, with those podcasts. And it's well worth a listen. The second episode featuring yourself has just dropped. Uh, Gavin, thanks again uh, for your time. Uh, we can't wait for this test match uh, to get underway tomorrow. Pleasure, mate. Have a good uh, for everyone. A happy new year and, uh, and enjoy the SCG test. Take care. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much to Gavin Robinson. You can hear him as part of the SEN cricket commentary team. We'll take a break. Plenty more to come on SEN Afternoons. Thank you, Sammy. Uh, just a reminder to SEN Cricket, uh, live from 9am tomorrow. The call team includes Simon Cadditch, Damien Fleming, Chris Rogers, Brad Haddon, Simon O'Donnell and Lisa Stalaker, plus Pete Lawler and Barat Sunarasan, plus ball by ball includes Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Matty White, Jimmy Smith and the man we were talking about uh, with Gavin Robinson, uh, Adam Collins. So tune in from 9am tomorrow. Just getting a, a few through on the temper text off the bat of the chat with Gavin Robinson and, and who should be favourite uh, going into this test uh, against India. And uh, I think he made a really good point. And, and listening to Bharat speak a couple of days ago, uh, certainly Ravi Shastri in the planning for the, the second test uh, really emphasised the positives out of Adelaide from India. And, and, and as Gavin said, they, they did play well uh, for big parts of that match and certainly bowled Australia out cheaply in the first innings. And interesting one here from Tribe. And I heard this stat the other day. I couldn't quite believe it. India has never lost a test match when Virat Kohli hasn't played, which seems remarkable given the influence uh, he has on that team, both with the bat and as a captain. And a really good point here, uh, unnamed, but catches win matches. India dropped five catches in the first test and Australia dropped five catches in the second test. Hold catches and you're a much better chance to win the test, which it's a really good point. They do say catches win matches and, and both teams have had some shockers uh, in the field uh, so far in this series. A couple more uh, on the Olympics as well coming through. Uh, Darren from Cranbourne says, John Sieben winning the 200-metre butterfly in LA is my earliest memory memory of a great Aussie underdog victory. And another one here, Joe from Geelong. Yeah, this would have been before my time. It must have been devastating for people watching on. Hey, Julian, one of my memories was the 1976 Montreal Games when Raylene Boyle was disqualified for two false starts in the 200 metres. Australia was devastated. And, of course, Raylene was, was robbed of a gold medal running against some uh, people that might have had some substances uh, in their body. So very unlucky uh, athlete uh, was Raylene Boyle. Just a bit of sport uh, from around the world, if you haven't caught up today, uh, the first semi-final for the uh, League Cup in England was won and won by the mighty Tottenham Hotspur, beating Brentford 2-0. Uh, they're through to the final, which will be on April 25, a couple of months later than normal. Uh, the second semi-final between uh, United, Manchester United and Manchester City uh, is being played tomorrow morning at Old Trafford. Uh, we mentioned the, the news before about Dante Exum, set to miss one to two months uh, with his calf strain. The cricket continues... Uh, over in New Zealand and the Kiwis well on top over there. Kane Williamson uh, set it up, of course, 238. Pakistan 
uh, batting again, are in all sorts of trouble. They're set to lose by an innings and plenty of runs. They're six uh, for 102 uh, in the second session of play on day four. So it looks like going to be another victory in New Zealand for New Zealand, unbeaten in their last 17 tests uh, at home. And uh, that's a big reason why uh, they are the number one team uh, in the world uh, right now. Uh, continue to give us a call throughout the day, one three hundred seven three six. 736 send those temper texts through 0433981116 uh Ben from Scoresby has given us a call uh with an Olympic memory g'day Ben g'day Jules how are you mate I'm well mate yourself really really good you're doing a stellar job mate oh, look thank you, I man. uh my my Olympic memory is actually I apologies if it's been said because I've only just jumped in the car so it might have been said before but um Hishamel Garouche the uh the the Prince of Morocco he he, what he went through to get his uh, Olympic gold was just unbelievable. He, he lost three 1,500-metre races in 12 years, uh, and two of them were Olympics. One, he was tripped in Atlanta. Um, in Sydney, he came off the back um, of, of, of I'll say COVID. Came off the back of Calendula <laughs> Fever. It's on your mind. Actually, yeah, actually pinched a bronze off coming off the back of Glendale Fever, which was an amazing effort, and then... Um, finally, it all built up to, to Athens, and everyone wanted him to get there, and um, everyone was watching that race. And yeah, you know, he, to have lost three races in 12 years and had never won an Olympic medal to that point, um, he came out and absolutely smashed it at Athens, and finally got that um, Olympic gold medal. He's the greatest 1500 metre runner of all time, but it would have been an absolute travesty if he didn't get it. And I remember tuning in and watching it, and I was just stoked for him. Yeah, that's a great memory, and that's one we haven't had, Ben. Uh, you sound like to me that you're someone that still gets ex- excited by the Olympics. Yeah, look, I love it, and it's funny actually. Um, I know a couple of callers have said back in the day it was, you know, much bigger than what it was now. And look, just, I would say it's probably even dropped off for me ten percent, but I'll still, you know, I'll, I'll tape everything I'm everything I'm interested in. I'll 100% get up and, and definitely watch it. And obviously, uh, Tokyo this year is good for us time-wise. Um, so I won't, have to, won't be too many late nights. But no, there's just, a, there's just a magic about it. And I think for one thing with the Olympics, you know, it's, it's for that for the three, four weeks that it goes for. Um, politics just goes out the window. Everyone comes together for sport. And it's just one of those moments that truly does point out how important sport is and how... Um, how magical it is. It just brings people together. It's beautiful. Yeah, let's touch wood. It, it does go ahead in Tokyo in 198 days' time. And given what the world's been through the last 12 to 18 months, it would be great if we could get everyone together and have two weeks of great sporting competition. Uh, ben, thanks for your call. Uh, hang on the line. I'll give you 18 holes of golf for two, thanks to Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's north. A bit of a drive uh, from Scoresby, but uh, well worth the trip, particularly when the sun is back out here in Melbourne. Uh, Plenty more coming up on the show. Jason Gillespie just after 1 o'clock. Kate Campbell and also Corey Homicide Williams will also touch base uh, with the Melbourne victory as well. Stay tuned to SEN Afternoons. Welcome back to Afternoons. Julian DeStoop with you. Already had Gavin Robinson on the program. We're going to speak more cricket after one o'clock when we touch base with the coach of the Adelaide Strikers, uh, Jason Gillespie. We'll also get his thoughts on uh, the next test, uh, being a former great Australian fast bowler. The Strikers, if you didn't see last night, uh, beat the Renegades uh, pretty comfortably. Shocking season again for the Renegades. Uh, and it's going to be, a, a, might be a long six games. They've still got six games to go in this season, while the Strikers. 
Uh, they're up to third on the table. The two teams go head-to-head again uh, come Friday night at the Adelaide Oval once more. Uh, tonight, uh, Big Bash is back in action. The Perth Scorchers uh, take on the Sydney Sixers. Uh, also on the program, uh, Kate Campbell, Australian swim star, who's uh, building up, hopefully, Touchwood. Uh, to the Tokyo Olympics, which is 198 days away. We're going to also touch base with Corey Homicide-Williams to chat all things NBL and NBA. And Ryan Shotton from the Melbourne Victory will join us. Former Premier League player. Uh, He's just got out of quarantine uh, and uh, is ready to uh, start making an impact at the Melbourne Victory, who had a disappointing start to their season, a 3-1 home defeat at the hands of the Brisbane Roar uh, on the, the weekend. So we'll chat uh, to Ryan just after 2.30 this afternoon. Uh, keep taking your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Anything you'd like to talk about, Olympic memories, your thoughts on the cricket, what the 11 should be for Australia. If, you haven't, if you're just catching up, uh, Australia have named their 11 internally, but they haven't... Uh, released it yet. Uh, Will Pekoski will open if he is picked. And if that's the case, obviously Matthew Wade or Travis Head has to make way. Or also uh, AFL preseason. They're back today looking at Twitter. All the clubs are back. Um, we're always looking out for players that come back super fit and uh, either a bit stronger of their younger players or maybe some players that have dropped a bit of weight. If we think back to Christian Petrarca 12 months ago and everyone predicted he'd have a big season off the back of that. And he did. All Australian high up in the brown low, best and fairer. So is there a player at your club that you want to see do something similar and therefore have a big 2021 season? So give us a call, 1-300-736-736 or send us a temper text, 433 Temper, a mattress like no other. Getting still plenty coming through about the Olympics. Our Billy says, Laurie Lawrence going nuts poolside is one of my earliest Olympic memories. Larger than life character. What a ripper. Yeah, that was... One of the highlights of that Seoul Olympic Games, Duncan Armstrong beat an absolute world-class field, a huge upset uh, at the time. I think there's three other world champions in that race. He won the 200-metre uh, freestyles. And uh, Steve Quartermain got almost assaulted uh, by Laurie Lawrence when he tried to interview him in the stands there in Seoul. So if you haven't seen that footage before, jump on YouTube. It is, uh, it is very funny stuff involving Steve Quartermain. And Laurie Lawrence, uh, Kate writes, Fiji's men's rugby sevens gold medal in Rio was amazing. First medal, I believe, ever for Fiji. Their pure joy and singing afterwards uh, was incredible. Another one here, Dean saying, and I I sort of agree, I've come to love the Winter Olympics as well. I like the Winter Olympics, specifically the USA versus Russia ice hockey in the men's and women's ice hockey finals. I'm intrigued by curling uh, in the biathlon. And, and Kras is not quite as po- uh, positive about the Olympics coming up this year. Uh, unless this uh, antidote starts working, there'll be no Olympics. Japan is struggling. I'll just say he said struggling. That was uh, from Krasa. Uh Daniel's jumped on the line from Hampton, wants to chat a bit of footy. G'day, Daniel. Good. Good, mate. Well, just um, want to talk about players. Step up. I really want to see uh, Cam Rayner take that leap. He probably last season was where Petrarca was. Well, we're just losing you there, Daniel, but I'll take your point. Yeah, Cam Rayner, I agree. I think he's he's shown signs, but not a, he just doesn't get enough of the footy at the moment. Uh, Chris Fagan's supported him a lot and played him a lot, but yeah, I think most in footy would agree that uh, he probably does need to get a tad fitter and he starts to need needs to have a bit more of an impact on games. So that's a really good call uh, from Daniel in Hampton. We'll take another quick break and we'll be back on SEN Afternoons.
Welcome back to Afternoons. Jason Gillespie will join us after the one o'clock news. The coach of the Adelaide Strikers who had a big win over the Renegades last night in the BBL. Just uh, talking about Cam Rayner, that last uh, caller wants him to uh, get a bit fitter and have a big uh, 2021. 63 games, 57 goals so far in his three seasons. Uh, 17 games, 17 goals uh, in 2020. No possessions aren't everything, and he's an impact player, but he only averaged 10 possessions a game, only averaged 11 possessions a game over his career. So if he could get another five or six a game, given he can have an impact with them, uh, he's going to be a boost for the Brisbane Lions. Just interesting comments from Tim Payne have just come through uh, about ahead of this third test about uh, there's a few tensions boiling away under the surface between these two teams. He said, it's boiling away. There's some stuff starting to happen. There's a bit of chat starting to happen. So I think this test is going to be fascinating, not just from a cricket point of view. There's a bit of tension starting to boil under the surface with a lot of unnamed sources coming out from their camp saying where they want to play the fourth test and where they don't want to go. I think it's starting to grind a few people, so we'll see how it goes. So could be a bit of spice in this third test. We'll chat a bit to Jason Gillespie about that, as well as the Adelaide Strikers coming up. After the news. Slow start, Peter Siddle. Oh, he's climbed into that, but coming in at deep cover. Another catch for Renshaw. 7 for 33 now. And Kane Richardson not at all happy. First ball of this over, Roy. Peter Siddle lured the big stroke from Kane Richardson. Renshaw came in and then it really lit it up in what is pretty much a dead game. Yeah. Oh, he's known to be cheeky, Renshaw. That was Fox Cricket's uh, call of the dismissal of Kane Richardson and a nice little send-off from Matt Renshaw that came off the back of uh, Kane Richardson doing something similar uh, early in the match. So we're just about to chat to the coach of the strikers in Jason Gillespie. Remember, if you need a coffee, coffee, um, a cafe barista made coffee, fast, safe and contact free. But uh, great to have it. Us joining on the line, the coach of the Adelaide Strikers in Jason Gillespie. Jason, thanks for your time and Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you uh, as well. Yeah, no, thank you for the introduction. What did you make of that incident uh, late in the match? Listening to Fox Cricket last night, uh, that sort of divided opinion amongst the commentators. Mike Hussey didn't think it was a, an overly good look. What, what did you make of it? Oh, I don't think any uh, anything like that is an is an overly good look for our game. But I, I think you know, put it into a bit of context. Uh, you know, uh, Richo uh, was was niggling away at, at Renners uh, when Renners was batting, and uh, and uh, him and and Salty. So a few choice words here and there, and then um, uh, Richo Richo copped it back when when he was batting. So and and he bit back. So look, it's. Uh, it, yeah, you know, players are always going to chat on the field. I think we, we all don't like to see it get um, get too heated and, and and too bad. But I think you got to understand a little bit of context. So you know, guys that are just out there being really competitive and want to do well for their team, um, you know, emotions sometimes can can run a bit high. Do you have a chat to Matt Renshaw about that afterwards? I think we were just sitting around having a bit of a chat. He he explained. Uh, you know, I won't won't say what uh, he said. Richo was speaking to him about, and then he basically just responded. And um, look, that that happens in in professional sport. And um, you know, I, I take Mike Hussey's point. You know, ideally, you know, we don't want to see uh, too many unsavoury incidences. But I, look, it, it, from from what what I've been what I've heard and what I've been told, it it, 
it probably wasn't as bad as a, as what people may have thought it looked on TV. Uh, well, it'll be an interesting talking point given uh, the two teams play again uh, come Friday night. Just going back to, to last night's match, it's obviously pretty tight in those top four or five spots uh, on the BBL table. So it's an important win uh, for your side. And certainly uh, the innings from Jake Weatherald was, was very important in the context of that match. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, I think Jake's you know last couple of games been given a, a slightly different role for us in the in the middle order there, um, which he hasn't done a lot of. But we, we just felt it was a good opportunity to mix things up. Our batting just hasn't quite fired for one reason or another uh, this this BBL. So we just thought we'd mix things up and uh, um, you know get John Wells into the tournament a bit more, moving him up from five to four. We felt, you know, getting getting Renners into the tournament a bit, moving him to the top, and 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 free Weathers up down in, in the middle there, and and look, Weathers last two innings, uh, he's played absolutely beautifully, and uh, and shown what a flexible and adaptable player he is, and and that could only be good for us, uh, you know, with our varying options, uh, with our batting going forward. Speaking of Jason Gillespie, coach of the Adelaide Strikers, you mentioned there it's a new uh, role for Jake Weatherall. So when you approached him and spoke about it, was it was it a bit of a tough sell? Was it something he was keen to do? How did it sort of all play out? He was actually pretty excited, to be honest, um, about the opportunity. And, and it's funny uh, you mentioned that. Like, I actually spoke to Jake last night and we sat down, had a, had a bit of a chat. And I actually said to him, I said, Jake, you actually have prepared for this. And, and he sort of looked at me in a funny kind of way. And I said, well, cast your mind back when we... Uh, as a squad had to leave South Australia because of the COVID cluster. We, we actually went to Coffs Harbour and had two and a half weeks up there. And, and I said, Jake, do you remember what we, uh, what you got me to um, do at the end of each of your batting sessions? And, and, and cause what he'd do, he'd say, coach, give me a scenario to bat him. And okay. So often I'd say, okay, well, you've got four or five overs here, Jake, and these are the two fielders out. We're in the power surge now. And, um, this is my field and let's go. You've got, this is your target. And, and so we did that maybe half a dozen times. So in a funny kind of way, he's actually had some prep for that role. Um, so, you know, it was really pleasing to offer him the opportunity, but I think it's incredibly pleasing that he's, that he's um, been very open-minded um, to, to the opportunity and he's, and he's grabbed it with both hands and it's just given us some, you know, a, you know, some really good thoughts, you know, uh, um, make it, the makeup of our, our team uh, going forward. As you mentioned, the, the batting has been a bit stop-start, but certainly with the ball, uh, you know, Peter Siddle again, three wickets last night, Wes Agar, 14 wickets already uh, for the BBL tournament. Uh, well, you're a bit worried about your batting. You must be pretty happy with your bowling. With your bowling. Yeah, our bowling has been sensational and, and everyone's played a played a role. So Dan Dan Worrell, although he didn't play last night, we just rested him to, to manage him. Um, you know, he he's been great up front bowling with a new ball, looking to swing it. Um, Siddle and Agar are very clear with their, their plans. They they hit the hit the pitch hard with a change of pace and they have both been working incredibly hard at their Yorkers over and around the wicket. Um, and then obviously we've got our, our spinners in, in Danny Briggs who, you know, is you know He's a very good spinner, knows exactly what he's doing, can bowl in every phase of the game. Um, got us a bash boost point um, last night, which was great. And, and then we've got um, the, the best spinner in the world in Rashid Khan, um, so, um, you know, who, who's done a wonderful job. So I think we've got three of the you know, top, in the top six wicket takers in BBL this year. We've got three, three lads in Agar, Siddle and, 
and calm. So, you know, our bowling has been very good. You mentioned uh, the bash boost there. It was an interesting debate on Fox Cricket last night uh, amongst the commentary team. Some like it, some don't. And, and listening to some of the fans, it's sort of similar. Some like it because it could liven up a game that might just be going through the motions. Others say if you dominate a game, it's a bit unfair if a team can still pinch a point. What, what's your thoughts on, on the, the, I guess, the credibility in, of, of the bash boost? Yeah, look, look, it's interesting. I mean, my default uh, stance, I suppose, is um, I, I think domestic competitions should emulate what's being played internationally. Um, so, like international T20 rules, um, it stands to reason that's what sh- that's what domestic competitions should should do. Um, but look, I think we're all open to innovation and trying things. Um, y- your point about you know a team dominating a game, and but if, if the opposition does happen to you know get past them at the halfway point, they get a point in that game. A, a really good case in point was earlier in the season we, we played the Sydney Sixers, and and while we bowled well, and they only got 52, I think, or 53 after the first 10, they went on to get 170 for the innings. Um, and what they did, they 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 got through some good bowling. They that they adapted their um, their innings um, to that, that they absorbed some pressure early and then they they cashed in when the conditions were right. So so they set up their innings well, and you, know, you could argue that us being able to get that boost point but then lose the game, um, you know, uh, you could argue that that they managed their whole innings well but almost got punished for absorbing pressure and, and playing the situation well in order for them to launch later in the innings. So. Yeah, it, it, look, it's an interesting debate, and and look, there's I think there's benefits, um, you know, as as well as question marks. But overall, we've been um, given these rules to work with, and, and we just have to make them, um, make best use of them that we can. So they asked your opinion at the end of the season about that rule in particular. Is it one you'd support for next season, or would you rather see it fall by the wayside? Oh, you'll have to wait and see till the end of the season, but I'll be giving my opinion um, on the new rules uh, to the Big Bash, uh, Big Bash uh, committee, that's for sure. Yep, absolutely. You were speaking to Jason Gillespie from the Adelaide Strikes. Interesting to get your opinion too on someone you know uh, really well. Just looking at the, the test tomorrow, a bit of talk about Travis Head and, and whether he deserves to keep his spot in the team if it's a choice between Matthew Wade and, and Travis Head. What have you made of Travis's form uh, so far this summer? Yeah, look, look I, I, I get a little bit frustrated, I suppose, with, with people continually. He, he always seems to be the player in the Australian side that's position gets questioned. And, um, you know, but what, what Trev has done, and while he hasn't gone on, he's averaged 20 in this in, in the two tests so far. Um, and look, while he hasn't got that big score, he's actually got a quite a few starts, which can be a, a challenging thing to do in test cricket is actually get a start. So, um, you know, and I think he's second top scored or top scored in one of the innings. Um um, in Adelaide. So, look, I, I think it, the guy averages 40 uh, in his test career so far. Um, you know, they've identified him as, as, a, as a potential long-term player. He was only vice-captain up until very recently. Um, so, I, I find all this questioning of his position quite strange. Um, you know, I, I think he's a fine player. He, he's shown brilliant championship form leading into... Um, Leading into the Test series, um, you know, and I, I just, I just think he deserves the, a good run, like a lot of other players have been given good runs in the side, um, you know, to show just how good a player he is because he is a fine player. He's showing glimpses in this two Test series, so, the two Tests so far. Um, but look, he's a fine player. 
I guess his critics often point to the sometimes the frustration about his mode of dismissal, and and certainly it, it, you know when he looks like he's made a start, and then he he'll play a, a bit of a rash shot. Is is that criticism fair enough? Do you think, or is sort of an over, or there's too much focus on that when it comes to Travis? Yeah, I think well, well no dismissal is, is is a great dismissal, is it? <laughs> That's a good um, point. A dismissal is a dismissal. Um, so. You know, what do we want? You know, I've heard some of the critics talk about that, worried about his modes of dismissal. But so, uh, you know, I would say to those critics, are you happy if someone plays a perfect forward defence and edges it to the keeper? Are you comfortable with that? Um, and I would say, no, I think you know, a batter, batter's job is to score runs. And, you know, it does come down to decision-making. And, um, you know, a batter was there to, to, to score runs ultimately. Um and if they, they feel they could take that shot on, it just comes down to the execution of the um, of that well, one. It's a, making the right decisions, and then you know implementing those decisions by by the execution of the shot. So it's just a matter of just making sure that good decisions are made and and and, and getting that shot selection exactly right. You confident he'll be picked for this test? I'm, I'm look. I'm I'm very hopeful. Um, it, it will really depend. I, I think all the 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 words are, it looks like we know Warner's in for Burns, so, so we know that's pretty much a lock. Uh, Justin Lang has indicated that. Um, I think the talk has been around. I think if, if um, Wade opens with Pekofsky, um then I, I think Travis will definitely be there. But if they decide to bring Pekofsky in, which um, you know some of the journalists are suggesting that that may happen, then I think it'll be probably a decision between Wade and Head, um, and look, look, I, look, I may be biased, but look, I think Travis Head is a fine player. Uh, he averages 40 in Test cricket, um, and he, he was vice captain not very long ago. So I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't be in the side. Yeah, they've named their 11 internally. We're just waiting to hear exactly what that is. Just a bit of a different one for you, Jason, off the uh, SMS here. Uh, you're a, you're a massive Western Bulldogs man, right? I follow the doggies. I, yes. um, I, I must say, I haven't actually watched uh, uh, AFL footy much. Uh, I've spent a lot of the last decade living overseas, so I haven't actually seen as much uh, much footy as I'd like. But, yeah, I don't mind uh, seeing the dogs do well. Yeah, well, someone wants to know how excited you are about watching Jamara Eugle Hagen play in 2021. Oh, I think, it look, uh, from all accounts, is a very fine <laughs> player. And, uh, you know, the, the, the dogs have, have done really well to, to secure his... Uh, services, um, so look, we'll, we'll see. But you know, it's exciting to see young talent come through, and uh, um, I think every, everyone, uh, I think uh, doggies fans and, and non doggies fans, I think just just football fans, are excited to see uh, see very good players uh, strut their stuff. Yeah, no, his, his uh, highlights tape is uh, pretty exciting. Just finally, before uh, we let you go, that as we said, the two teams, uh, the Strikers and the Renegades, play. Again on Friday night, uh, will there be any lingering tensions after the way that game finished last night? Do you think? No, it'll be fine. I, I actually uh, messaged Richo this morning, and uh, he, he he was in good spirits. He was just, dis- it, uh, I think, as much as anything, I think they just disappointed that um, that, that they lost the game. So, um, I, look, he'll be absolutely fine. He's, he's a great fellow, Richo, and uh, you know, I've spoken to Renners and Salty, and they're all fine. So, I, I, I don't anticipate any issues at all. Uh, lovely. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for your time, as always, uh, on SEN. And uh, good luck for the next match on Friday night. Good on you. Thanks, mate.
Great to chat to Jason Gillespie, coach of the Adelaide Strikers. Interesting to get your thoughts on uh, his, I guess, defence there of uh, Travis Head's form and, uh, you know, some of the criticisms uh, that have been labelled against him as a player. So give us a call, one 736 736 or send us a temper text, 0433-98-1116. We'll be back after the break with plenty more on SEN Afternoons. Welcome back to Afternoons. Julian DeStoop with you. Uh, Australian swim star Kate Campbell, not too far away as we uh, hopefully, hopefully build up to the Tokyo Olympics. Of course, cancelled in 2020, rescheduled for 2021. 198 days away, uh, all things being equal. So we'll speak to Kate. We're also going to speak uh, to Corey Homicide-Williams just after two about all things basketball, both in the NBL uh, and the NBA. And we're going to touch base with Melbourne Victory defender Ryan Shotton, who played some Premier League football uh, with Stoke. He's just got out of uh, quarantine and ready to roll uh, for the Melbourne Victory. Interesting one just seen here on Twitter. Speaking of the A-League, we know the Newcastle Jets, all sorts of dramas uh, up there with their ownership. Uh, They haven't had a coach slash manager uh, since Carl Robinson defected to the Western Sydney Wanderers now. Greek legend Alexis Alexandris has flagged his interest in the vacant vacant coaching job via Facebook. The 52-year-old, who played in 10 Greek championships at two clubs, uh, has reached out via a Jets supporters group on Facebook. Uh, And he's got someone uh, sort of uh, speaking up, Theodore Travlos, uh, who's a Sydney entrepreneur, uh, speaking up on his behalf. So that's an interesting way uh, to apply for a coaching job uh, via social media. We asked you before the break, off the back of... Uh, the comments from Jason Gillespie about uh, Travis Head, certainly pretty passionate uh, in his defence of Travis Head. And uh, he seems to be a bit frustrated that whenever there's a, a sort of batsman spot under pressure, seemingly, obviously Joe Burns has lost his spot, but uh, a lot of talk about Travis Head and he pointed out his average and a lot of talk about uh, his mode of dismissals, which Jason thinks is a little bit uh, unfair. Uh, Bill doesn't really support Jason Gillespie here saying, this is the most illogical, biased defence of a player who is out of form that I've ever heard, uh, says Bill. So he, clearly he's not a massive uh, Travis Head uh, fan. Uh, coming through still on the temper text, we're getting your nominations uh, for your, I guess, your passion for the Olympics. And on the back of that, if you're still passionate about it, uh, what are some of your favourite Olympic memories? We're also asking uh, about uh, AFL preseason back in 2021. Most clubs are back uh, today. And we're seeing the stories come through on Twitter. Some pictures of some players looking pretty fit or some pictures of some players uh, certainly looking a bit uh, stronger. Some of the young players, uh, Tim English is one that's been identified as putting on a bit of bulk down there at the Western Bulldogs. So which player from your club do you want to see come back super fit and needs to come back super fit uh, potentially after a disappointing uh, 2021? This one seems a little bit harsh to me. would love to see Paddy Cripps looking super fit. As good as he is, he needs to improve his body and get a bit more run back into his game. I'm not sure he needs to improve his body or improve his fitness. I think it's pretty clear that he was carrying some sort of knee problem through a significant part of uh, 2020. So I think uh, he doesn't need to get fitter. He just needs to get healthier. And uh, hopefully after a good off-season, that knee will settle down. And and Paddy Cripps, who certainly wasn't at his best uh, in 2020, will return to that form that saw him win the MVP uh, in 2019. Another one here from Brits saying, I'd like to see Jack Darling come back a bit more mean. He's a bit of a pushover for such uh, a big guy. And this is a bit different from Roy from Templestowe. And I think we'd all support this and hope it's the case. Uh, mate, I want Ben Cousins to have a great 2021 and turn his life around. 
for all of us that admired and supported him as a youngster with the nine on the back of the Eagles jumper. Make us proud, Ben. Well, I guess the ball is certainly in uh, Ben's court when it comes to that. Another couple here uh, on the Olympics uh, lost its luster due to the fact that events such as the World Championships have stronger fields than the Olympics. In many cases, the athletes would rather win World Championships. The Olympics is no longer the pinnacle Unfortunately, that, that's an interesting take. I, I'll ask uh, Kate Campbell about that. I still get the feeling with with sports like uh, swimming and athletics and rowing, uh, etc. Um, you know, and some of the team sports like like hockey and water polo. I, I would have thought the Olympics would still be the pinnacle of their sports, but uh, maybe maybe for some of these sports men and women, it, it might be uh, a little bit different. Another one come here from Dom. Uh, he's, He's got a few at North Melbourne. Uh, Simpkin, uh, Luke Davies, Uniac, Bonner, Stevenson, Zerha, Thomas, Scott Taylor, and a few more young roos all flying on the track. Some good early signs at Arden Street from Dom. And, of course, with the new coach, uh, David Noble, uh, everyone uh, at North Melbourne would want to be pretty keen uh, to impress uh, straight away. Uh, just updating that uh, score in the test over in New Zealand, uh, New Zealand cruising uh, to a big victory. Uh, had a massive first run lead, uh, first innings lead, nearly 400 runs. They declared it six uh, for 659. Uh, Kane Williamson, the star, with 238. Henry Nichols, 157. And in their second innings, Pakistan in all sorts of trouble at the moment. They're seven uh, for 126. Kyle Jamison already has a five for five for 33. Uh, off 15 overs. Trent Bolt's the other wicket taker. He's got two for 39 uh, off 16. So almost unbeatable at the moment. New Zealand at home, 17 straight tests. Uh, they have been undefeated at home, and that's a big reason why uh, they are the number one team in the world. And Kane Williamson is the number one batsman uh, in the world. He has made a sensational start to 2021 and also finished 2020 uh, pretty strongly as well. So the Kiwis are uh, proving to be pretty strong. We didn't see the best of them here uh, last summer, certainly uh, injury didn't help, particularly the injury that uh, Trent Bolt uh, received. And they certainly haven't been as good on the road. But at home, uh, they're proving to be a very, very formidable outfit. So plenty more coming up on Afternoons. Kate Campbell, not too far away. Corey Homicide-Williams and also new Melbourne victory defender, uh, Englishman Ryan Shotton, who's played some Premier League football with Stoke. Uh, given he's come from overseas, he's been in quarantine. He's just got out uh, and he'll have a chat with us uh, just after 2.30, always here to take your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Send us a temper text. 04-33-98-1116. But let's check in with Sammy Fantasia in the SEN. Sammy Fantasia doing a wonderful job in the SEN newsroom. Now, we read out uh, some quotes from Tim Payne before, just suggesting that uh, some tension... Uh, is boiling under the surface between Australia and India. We saw a little bit uh, in the last test uh, between Matty Wade and Rishpar Pant, uh, who uh, ha- there's been some banter with Pant before. If you remember the last series in Australia, Tim Payne and uh, the Indian wicketkeeper uh, had a few things to say. So just reiterating these comments from Tim Payne, saying it's boiling away. There's some stuff starting to happen. There's a bit of chat starting to happen. So I think this test is going to be fascinating, not just from a cricket point of view. There's a bit of tension starting to boil under the surface with a lot of unnamed sources coming out from their camp saying where they want to play the fourth test and where they don't want to go. I think it's starting I think it's starting to grind a few people so we'll see how it goes. So Tim Payne said that uh, to the media a short time ago. Now he was on uh, breakfast uh, this morning with Nick Del Santo and Jack Heverin and he just spoke a little bit about uh, how he enjoys a bit of niggle out there in the middle. Yeah, I do. I love it. Um, whether it's um 
you know, a bit of a bit of banter and having a laugh at, at your own teammates' expense or, or ripping into the opposition at times. Yeah, it, it is part of the game. Um, this series has been strangely quiet, I must admit. I don't know if it's because everyone's just sort of grateful that Test Cricket's back on and we're back out in the middle after not playing for so long. Um, but uh, you saw in the Melbourne Test there was starting to be a little bit of niggle, um, and I think that will continue this Sydney Test match, I reckon. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, there's, remember last series, uh, there was plenty of niggle between the two teams. Virat Coley, one of the main instigators, of course, is not here, but uh, with so much on the line too. Series is one all. India going for back-to-back uh, series victories against Australia at home. Australia don't lose at home uh, very often. So there's so much on the line, and and obviously this test is vital. Uh, you know, I guess particularly for the Indians, uh, given that uh, Australia have been unbeatable, literally unbeatable at the Gabba uh, for so long now. So Tim Payne also was asked about David Warner when he joined the boys on breakfast. Yeah, that's all part of the grand plan for Davey. One, he, he means he can get into the slips uh, and run less. And two, I think when he scores a big 100 tomorrow, he, he wants that story that he's, well, what an effort, he's on one leg. Bit of humour there from Tim Payne. So we know Dave Warner is... Uh, He's not quite 100% fit, but uh, he's close and uh, he's going to play and uh, he doesn't mind a backs-to-the-wall sort of innings, does he, uh, Dave Warner? He's a real counter-puncher and uh, he, he brings a lot to the Australian side, not just his runs, but he's aggressive in-your-face style and a great fieldsman as well. So let's hope uh, he can move at his best both uh, at the wicket and also while he's in the field. Still plenty of coming through on the temper text machine, temper a mattress like no other. Uh, 0433 You can always give us a call. 1300 736 736. Kate Campbell, the Australian swim star, is not too far away as we touch wood, build up to Tokyo 2021. Uh, another one here on the Olympics uh, from John saying, middle distance running events are my favourite Olympic events. Anything tactical. So from 800 metres to 10,000 metres, even just love watching those 400 metre splits and marvelling at their ability. So uh, John's an athletic fan. I guess a lot of people, when they talk athletics, they talk uh, the 100 metres and, and some particularly like some of the field events. But uh, John's certainly a fan uh, of the middle distance events there. Just going back to what Jason Gillespie said, uh, he's, I guess, passionate defence of Travis Head. Uh, Tom says, Dizzy, it's the way of going out, dangling the bat out of form, no soft hands. And I guess Jason was making the point that no dismissal uh, is a good dismissal, but um, there's no doubt there's been some frustration at uh, maybe Travis Head's shot selection at vital times in matches, and we saw it in the second innings at the MCG. Sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired. Another one here from Elvie on Essendon and uh, who they would like to see get super fit at the Bombers. Julian, do you think Essendon can get Stringer and McDonald Tip and Woody fit enough for the year ahead as they were too pot-bellied in 2020? Um... I think Jake Stringer could certainly get fitter. We've been saying this for years for Jake Stringer. Certainly that All-Australian year of 2015, he, he was super fit and probably a bit fitter than he, he looks now. I think Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody's always going to have that body shape. He probably could get a little bit uh, fitter. Um, but he, if you speak to people at Essendon, he's come a long, long way since he first started and uh, his fitness is pretty good. But uh, certainly... It, Jake Stringer, for one, is one that could do a Christian Petrarca, for example, but whether he does, uh, I'm not too sure. So in the next few weeks, if you see him out there and uh, give us a call, let us know exactly how Jake Stringer is looking. We'll take another break here on SEN Afternoons. Australian swim star Kate Campbell will join us after the break.
Welcome back to Afternoons. Julian DeStoop with you through until 3 o'clock before the boys in drive, Cam, Luke and Scotty Cummings uh, take over from 3 o'clock. Kate Campbell, Australian swim star, not too far away. We'll chat uh, the build-up touch wood uh, to the Tokyo Olympics in 2021 after it was cancelled uh, in 2020. And uh, it's, it's a challenge for the organisers and, and a challenge for all the athletes uh, to get ready. But maybe in Australia, we've got a bit of an advantage uh, given that COVID situations here is not too bad and all our athletes uh, can train pretty much freely as they want to. Uh, just another one here off the temper text about pre-seasons and what players uh, people want to see fit. Uh, one here, afternoon as the Pies supporter, we really need Braden Sire to be fit and play a full season in 2021, particularly now that Trelaw has gone, says Pete. Yeah, he looked like a player that was going to really take off after 2018. Really good in the second half of that year. Played a good final series, but a few injuries. The old fill-in drama when he uh, played some basketball when he shouldn't didn't help as well. But, uh, yeah, big, big year for Braden Sire. Uh, he's got some talent, and uh, there might be a spot for him there, as Pete uh, suggested. So he'll be one to watch. Uh, in 2021. But let's talk uh, some Olympics. We missed out on it in 2020. We're hopeful we'll get the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. And one person desperately hoping that happens uh, is Australian swim star Kate Campbell, who joins us on the line. G'day, Kate. Hey, how's it going? Good. Happy New Year to you. How was uh, New Year's for you this year? Um, It was pretty quiet. I didn't want to tempt fate by having something big and exciting and putting a whole heap of plans and goals together. So I kept it pretty quiet. Um, But yeah, very excited to leave 2020 behind and start 2021, which is an Olympic year, which is very exciting for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone in the world would agree, let's put 2020 behind us and let's get stuck into 2021. Obviously, though, the COVID situation around the world is still really delicate and there's some countries still really struggling and Japan itself has got its own issues. Are you a hundred percent confident these Olympics will go ahead? Is anyone a hundred percent confident no, of question. anything? That's these a very days? good point, Kate. <laughs> so I, but I think that you have to continue to plan as if it's going to happen. And then when things change and situations change, then you make changes and allowances for that. Um, so uh, as as far as I know, the Olympics are going ahead, and I know that there uh, is a wonderful team of people at the uh, International Olympic Committee and at the Australian Olympic Committee who are working so incredibly hard to make sure that they're happening. And from everything that I hear, they're planning for worst case scenario. So and and then working backwards. So I am very very hopeful that the games will go ahead. We're all. Everyone was saddened that the games were cancelled last year. And, of course, the athletes uh, would have been as disappointed as everyone else. I mean, obviously, you build up for an Olympics uh, every four years. Uh, all your events, all your training is geared around getting ready for an Olympic game. So what did it mean for you once you found out it was cancelled? Uh, I think that, that everyone has a moment where COVID had a real impact on their lives. And for me, that was the moment that I heard that the games were, were getting postponed. You know, it's one of those flashbulb memories where you can remember exactly where you were when, when you heard the news. And, I mean, I, I don't want to wax on too much because there are so many people who have suffered so terribly because of this virus and, and their lives and their livelihoods have been destroyed. But uh, for athletes, it was a pretty devastating blow. You know, we, we plan our four years around peaking at one moment uh, you know, for me, it's about being at my absolute 100% best for less than a minute once every four years. And to suddenly have that completely thrown out the window and then 
all losing all access to training facilities when everyone went into a lockdown. Remember that happened last year? It feels like a <laughs> lifetime ago. But the nation went into a lockdown and then, of course, the poor um, Melburnians and Victorians had to go into another one. So um, it was very disorientating and, and it definitely took a while to to have the news sink in, but then also to recalibrate and figure out what to do from there. It's been a remarkable journey for you since 2016, yeah, 2017 off, Commonwealth Games, gold medals, world championship medals. How do you look back on, on the journey you've had since Rio? Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I tend to break up my life into chapters of Olympic Games <laughs> and it, it's been a very varied chapter since, 2016 but you know even if you take out COVID I've I've tried lots of new things and I really feel like it, it was for the best and probably this Olympic cycle more than anything else I had put my time and effort and energy into peaking for an Olympic Games so being as, as good as I thought I could be at those events in between like the ones that you mentioned the Commonwealth Games World Championships but really using them as stepping stones to be at my absolute best for the Olympics, which was probably a, a, one of the, the other reasons why I was extra disappointed when, when they got uh, postponed because kind of I'd built a four-year cycle instead of managing my peaks every year. So, um, but I, in, in saying that, I think that in some ways it's prepared me really well for the change and, and the postponement of the Games because I really did things very differently to how I'd ever done them before, before 2016. And I figured out that I could be a lot more adaptable and that swimmers can take breaks. You know, we can take longer than three weeks out of the water a year and come back. And I proved that. And so it was, it was, a, it was a relief, especially when we went into that lockdown and lost access to training facilities. I was like, okay, you know what? I, I know what this feels like. I've, I've been and done something similar to this before and I know I can get back. You've spoken in a, in a few, I've read a few articles uh, in recent times where you've spoken about, you know, when you go to the Olympics this time, you want to try and enjoy it a bit more. Obviously, you're going to have huge expectations on yourself. I guess there'll be expectations yeah. from Australia about your performances. So how do you make sure you, you get in that mindset where you are enjoying it and not putting too much pressure on yourself? Something that I've never been very good at doing is after I've achieved a result, acknowledging the result I'm always looking for the next thing it's like okay cool yep done that cool let's tick that off all right what needs to happen so that I can move on to the next thing and I think that what taking time away from the sport has helped me do is look back over my career and it's been quite long now for for a swimmer at least and look back at all the things that I've achieved and I think for the first time I'm actually um, proud of my achievements and and I can say hand on heart that I don't need to go to this next Olympics and I don't need to win an Olympic gold medal. I want one desperately and I'm doing everything I can to achieve it, but I don't need it to have had a satisfying, successful career. I think that I've already achieved that. And so there's some level of comfort in that whatever happens, I can still look back with pride on my career and how I've conducted myself the whole way through. And I think that's a bit liberating. How long did it, get you to get you know through that process and become comfortable with that thought um oh definitely a while but the good thing about swimming is that you spend a lot of time in your own head so <laughs> you have a lot of time to process things <laughs> so 
kind of came um, probably t- taking the time off, so, so taking the year off in, in 2017. And, and then once I started to get back in, I started to realise how hard swimming is. Like, I understand when people say to me, I can't swim, it's horrible, it's hard, because when I started getting back in the pool, I was like, oh, this is awful. How did I do this? How do other people do this? Why do I want to do this again? And so I think that I realised that, oh, hang on, to reach uh, an Olympic level, you have to, you do actually have to work really hard. And I should be proud of that simple achievement. But then, hey, look and go back and, you know, you, you won an individual Olympic medal when you were 16 years old. Most other 16-year-olds are, like, trying to sneak beer out of their parents' fridges. So uh, you, you haven't done too badly. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. That's a very good way of uh, looking at it. We're chatting to Australian swim star uh, Kate Campbell. 198 days to go until the Tokyo Olympics. And uh, uh, fourth Olympics coming up. And uh, I read an article. You haven't ruled out a fifth either. you got you got one eye on Paris as well. <laughs> well, it's kind of um, the beauty of COVID. The, the one little good thing is that suddenly it's a three-year yeah, Olympic good cycle for 2024. And I think that for four years is a long time. But when you subtract that extra one year, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ruling anything out. I, I, I think that as, as long as I'm physically capable and mentally capable of, of putting in the work and, and I'm motivated, um, I, I feel like I have more to give the sport. And I feel like there's uh, something exciting for swimming on the horizon. We're, we're starting to, to see the possibility of making this a, uh, you know, a, a sport that you can earn a living out of. And for me, I just, I couldn't quit just as things are starting to get interesting. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to stick around a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, you're a long time retired. There's no doubt about that. A bit of a different one. Um, Sun Yang is a name that uh, evokes a lot of emotion uh, around the world. And we've seen uh, recently uh, his eight-year ban for doping has been referred back to the Court of Arbitration for Sport after an appeal to the Swiss court. Have you been following that closely? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the biggest story in the swimming world, really, at the moment. And so, yeah, of course, I've been following it closely uh, in saying that. I am not privy to any information that anyone else is. So I don't know the ins and outs. I, I haven't seen any of the, the legal documents or, or know what goes on behind closed doors. And I guess that we just have to trust that justice and the due process is being followed and that justice will come out and whatever that is. And uh, it's it's not my job to pass judgment. It's my job to accept the ruling of people who are a lot more educated than I am. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the, one of the, it, it makes something more interesting, doesn't it? Sometimes people say <laughs> something can get a bad rap for being a little bit more, a little bit too boring and um, too many nice people. Um, and it's just added a little bit of spice into the swimming mix. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. He, he evokes a lot of emotion whenever uh, his name is mm. raised. And just finally, Kate, before we let you go, we've been asking our listeners this afternoon uh, for either their earliest or their favorite Olympic memory when they were growing up. A bit different for you. Mm. You were a teenager and you're competing at them, but when you're a, a child, what, what sort of stands out from uh, when you were watching the Olympics as a youngster? Oh, so I can um, just remember the 2000 Olympics and uh, I can remember Grant Hackett, watching Grant Hackett 
win that 1,500-metre freestyle. And then um, watching the boys' 4 by 100-metre relay team beat the Americans mm-hmm. for the first time. Uh, at, at the time, I was born and I was living in Africa. And uh, I think that the only people who like America are Americans. So even <laughs> we were cheering <laughs> the Australians beat the Americans. Um, and yeah, watching Grant Hackett um, win, win that 1500 freestyle was just superb. Um, and that, yeah, that they're probably my, my earliest Olympic memories. Yeah, and cheers to our American audience. Uh, if they're, ch- uh, they're tuning in, uh, Kate, uh, let's hope it's a, a nice smooth build up uh, to Tokyo for you and all the Australian athletes and all the athletes around the world. I'm sure there's going to be a few hurdles uh, to jump, but uh, we can't wait for the Olympics to get underway and uh, see you perform at your very, very best. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Great to chat to Australian swim star Kate Campbell. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Plenty more coming up on SEN Afternoons. Welcome back to Afternoons. Julian DeStoop with you. Big final hour coming up. We're just about to touch base with Corey Homicide-Williams to chat all things basketball. Ryan Shotton, new Melbourne Victory defender, will also join us uh, in about half an hour's time. Uh, Three NBA games going on as we speak. One is completed. The big win for the Nets, a 34-point win over the Jazz, 130-96, to 29 points for Kyrie Irving, just seven points uh, for Joe Ingles for the Jazz. And they're doing that, the Nets, without Kevin Durant, who will miss the next four games after being exposed uh, to COVID-19. He's in quarantine. Uh, the Grizzlies lead the Lakers by a point uh, with six minutes to go, and the Nuggets lead the Timberwolves by seven points uh, in the second quarter. Still to come today, the Clippers and the Suns, the Trailblazers and the Bulls. Uh, plenty going on, too, uh, at local level, with the NBL forced to change uh, some of their schedule, of course, due to COVID-19. Uh, now, let's welcome in the man, Corey Homicide-Williams. Thanks to Tire Power. Big holiday sale now on. Corey, welcome back to SEN and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Glad to be back. How are you? I'm very, very well. How did you uh, spend your New Year? Well, I uh, had a had a nice time on a rooftop looking at the sunset, dancing myself away. Mate, I danced all day. I reckon you'd be a pretty good mover too, Corey. <laughs> I go all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't be modest now. Don't be modest now. <laughs> hey, put your put your players hat back on for me. We've had such a long off season uh, in the NBL. Everyone's dying for it to start again. Look, we understand the reasons why you know a few games have to be postponed with with the COVID situation in Melbourne and Sydney. But for these players that are, are just chomping at the bit to get back out there, how how frustrating would a further delay be? Well, I'll be honest with you, it will be more anxious and anxiety. I don't think it will be frustration because we all want to be safe and we all want a season. And that's the most important thing for us to move forward using all the precautionary measures that's necessary. So if it just if it's just we move it a week delay, it's worth it. Yeah, 100%. That's that's a really good call. And look, Larry Kesselman has said this morning that, you know, we're playing with empty stadiums is an absolute last resort. He is determined to get this season away as as normal as possible. You know, the fans have been waiting to get back into stadiums. Uh, you're confident we can do that. We saw the, the WNBL go into a hub situation and, and absolutely smash out a season pretty quickly. But if you're confident the NBL can get through and get the crowds back through the doors not only, you know, in the, in the states that are okay at the moment, but that right around the country. 100% because 
it's a collective thing, and, it, and it's bigger than the NBL with what I'm about to say. It's about the country. One thing I respect about this country, everybody is doing their part in doing the right thing in terms of safety measures as everyday citizens. You know, we, we collectively, for the greater good, to have the safety that we've been having as of late is do the right thing. So everybody, that no one wants to be inside anymore. You know, we saw the effects of that living in Melbourne. It was hard, mm. but it was necessary in order to get this under control. This is what I mean, meaning this, this meaning COVID-19. And we've done an absolutely incredible job. So when a couple of things start happening, a couple of positive cases, we just need to make sure that we continue to be on the path that we've been on. Nip it in the bud and it'll all open up. Because collectively, Australia bands together, and that's, that's what's great about this country. One of the many things great about this country. Now, I guess we, we see the situation in your homeland and, and a lot of other countries around the world. But when you look at what's happening in the States at the moment, obviously it's having a big effect on sport over there as well. But just as a whole, how do you feel when you, when you see what's going on back in America? I mean, it sucks, you know, but again, when you look at, how countries are ran and how countries are built. Again, going back to Australia to make this comparison, Australia does everything for the sake of the country. So individually, you may not like it, but for the sake of the country, we're going to band together and do this for the greater good, for the better result. America is not like that. America is the complete opposite because that's how the country was built a bunch of individualistic people with individualistic mentalities for the greater good. You know, people go to America to seek greener pastures, right? And you can go there and be your own person in your own business and do your own thing. That's for the greater good. But now it's working against you because right now we need everybody to band together and everyone's not doing that. So that's why it's looking exactly the way it's looking as well as unfortunate. It's unfortunate but at the same thing going on in the UK, they're scheduled yep. for their third lockdown. And, you know, it's very sad what's going on. So, look, i put it to you like this. If I, would, if I would be anywhere in the world, I'd want to be right where I'm at. No, it's a good point. And I think we, we should be proud of how we've handled it uh, so far. We're speaking to Corey Homicide-Williams. I guess all this talk about COVID and schedules changing around it's means we're not talking much about the basketball and what we expect to come uh, from this NBL season. Uh, just give us a snapshot of, of what you're expecting in terms of, you know, the teams that will be the powerhouses. Uh, you know, who do you think can really improve this season and, and make a run for the playoffs or potentially make a run for the title that may not have been in the running last season? Man, I could tell you this. <laughs> this the, the, the league, regardless of what's going on outside of the NBL, the league's gotten stronger. Okay, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have loaded up. Melbourne United championship contenders, Cairns uh, Taipan championship contenders, Adelaide Thirty Sixes got better. New Zealand Breakers championship contenders. You can never discount the team out west. Perth Wildcats, Brisbane Bullets has a crew. So it's 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 literally going to come down again. I'm going to say maybe the last one or two rounds that will determine who gets to the top four. Because last season, it went all the way to the last round to determine who got in. That's how incredible and talented the league is and how competitive the league is. 
You won't know till the end. I can guarantee you this. You will not know till the end. And let's not forget the Sydney Kings. And that's what we want. We want a nice, tight, even competition. You mentioned the Phoenix there have loaded up. On the show yesterday, we spoke to Kiefer Sykes, who's got a remarkable story to tell about the challenges he faced uh, in 2020. How much do you know about Kiefer and and what sort of player can we expect uh, if you're a Phoenix fan? Super passionate. He can get buckets. He plays defense. He's aggressive at both ends of the court. Um, Super humble individual. Loves the game. His journey has been incredible. He's from Chicago, so he's a hard-nosed ball player, and he's going to bring it every night. He's played in high-level countries, and he's done well there. So trust me, it is a joy, if you are a Phoenix fan, to have Keeper Sykes as your point guard this season. Yeah, pretty promising first season for the Phoenix last year. And as you said, they've loaded up, so they should be expecting uh, big things. Just turning our attention to the NBA, I think we're all – Bit, not that it turned out to be an overly serious injury, but we're all a bit uh, well feeling for Dante Exum when we saw him uh, go down again yesterday. Man, it, it's it's tough, man. You know, it's this kid is so talented and still so young, and it's just it's so many different injuries and so much adversity he's faced. You know, it's just unfortunate, man. But we just wish him the best, and you know, he. I mean, look at how we're looking at it. Imagine how he feels. You know, so if you out there and you follow him on social media, send him a text message, man, and just, you know, send him some good vibes and good energy because, listen, we all need it. You know, we all need it. He has, he's a, he has a young, he's a young kid, a young man with a promising future, and it just seems like injuries continue to hinder him. You know, so trust me, you get one injury as a player, you, you, you can get down on yourself. Can you imagine every year you're injured? Mm. It's tough. You know, so if you have his Instagram and Twitter, anywhere on social media, man, just send him a positive message because I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to need it. Yeah, that's absolutely. All the positivity he can get would be a a good thing, and he certainly made a promising start to the season. Speaking of promising starts to the season, uh, Ben Simmons and the 76ers have have looked really good. Um, What have you made of their form and, and Ben's role in that team so far this season? I mean, Ben is balling. You know, Ben is a baller. He's a young star. And as soon as, uh, look, as soon as Ben shoots that three ball, he's going to go from star to superstar. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. He has everything. All he needs to do is just shoot it. And that's going to come. So as soon as he gets that, man, I don't care if it goes in. Mentality, he's going to go from star to superstar. Um, great start. Sometimes change is, is necessary. And, you know, Doc Rivers has this team looking good early. So let's see if they can keep it up. But great start for the Sixers. Speaking of shooting the three ball, uh, Steph Curry hasn't exactly come back rusty, has he? That was unbelievable the other day. <laughs> Let me tell you what's interesting about a game like what Steph had. Um, give you a little bit more insight. Damian Lillard was on a podcast the day before or two days before, and Steph was struggling, and, in in, you know, they were losing by, like, 30, 25 points. And Dame Lillard went on a podcast with the interview and was just like, you know, this is not the team that he was lucky enough to be on when he was winning those three championships, right? And it's going to be more difficult for him to get his shots off because there's more pressure on him. Two days later, he plays against Portland Trailblazers, 
and there you go. He lit them up for the 63 points. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Great to see him back and uh, and playing like that. I've got one here off the uh, temper text for you, Homicide, uh, about James Harden. They want to know what the hell you would do with James Harden if you're the Rockets. And if you're another team that's in contention, how desperate would you be to get him to your club right now? Or would you not be that desperate to get him to your club? Well, for me, I would trade him. How high, are he, how high are his trade stocks right now? His trade stock is high. James Harden last two years averaged 30 points a game. So we know he's one of the most prolific scorers the game's ever seen. And he will go down as exactly that, one of the most prolific scorers the game has ever seen. So I think he'll get to the East Coast soon. Because you don't want it to – look, if a man does not want to be there, he's going to end up being a bigger disruption – than an asset to the team. And that's going to rub off on everybody else. So if I'm them, I'm looking for the right trade situation to move them. What's the best fit on the East Coast for James right now, do you think? Oh, man, send that man to New Jersey. I mean, Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Send that man to Brooklyn Nets. They win in the championship. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good three they'd have, wouldn't it? That's a fantastic three. Absolutely. And that's the three they need to take down LeBron. Because Kevin Durant is the best player in the world healthy. Make no mistake about that. Kevin Durant beat LeBron twice already. So he knows mentally, not only did I beat him once, I beat him twice. So he's now mentally prepared to go at LeBron again, even if he isn't on Golden State. He has Kyrie, who's a wizard. Right, He was the guy that was alongside LeBron to come back from 3-1 to win that championship against Golden State. right? And now you add a third scoring punch, James Harden. That's too much. That's too much for any team to beat in a series. That's too much firepower. And just finally, when there's been, there's been articles about James Harden, a lot of articles, obviously, in recent weeks, but he has been linked to the 76ers as well. And in those articles have linked Ben Simmons going the other way. Surely that wouldn't be a great thing for Ben Simmons. I mean, these things happen in sport, you know. These things happen. If if it happens, it just that's the business of the game. That's the nature of the beast. You just got to roll with the punches, pack your bag, and keep it moving. I mean, I'm not that mad if I got $280 million in my account <laughs> or, or pending. Like, there ain't too much you can get me mad at. There's not too much that's gonna, I'm going to be mad at. No, I wouldn't have thought. So. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought. Now, I'm going to leave you with this one, uh, Homicide. One here from the Temper Text Machine saying, thank you from one Aussie to another for appreciating this great country, bro. So that's one of our texters. Man, so, uh, nothing but love. Nothing but love. Nothing. Listen, one thing about Corey Williams, he will always keep it real. And that's why Whether we... you like it or not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it real. That's and what... listen, this definitely is one of the best countries in the world, for sure. Uh, we all agree on that. And uh, we love you keeping it real, and that's why we love you on this station. Homicide, thanks for your time. I'm sure we'll touch base again very soon. Yes, we will. Have a good one. Welcome back to Afternoons. Julian DeStoop with you through until 3 o'clock before the boys on drive. Cam Luke, and today he's joined by Scotty Cummings. We'll bring you through to 6 o'clock and then Big Bash Nation. Another big game tonight. It's the Scorchers and the Sixers. If you're just catching up on last night's result, the Strikers 
uh, beat the Renegades uh, pretty comfortably. Speaking of cricket, the test match is still going on, maybe not for much longer uh, over there in Christchurch. Uh, last session on day four, Pakistan still trail by 216 runs. Uh, the Kiwis declared at six for 659. Kane Williamson making 238 uh, in their second innings. Pakistan are eight for 146. It's been a great day with the ball for Kyle Jamison. 18 overs, six for 38. Trent Bolt, uh, two for 39. Um, Azir, Azir Ali, uh, highest scorer so far for Pakistan on 37. Uh, those NBA scores... Uh, a big win for the Nets uh, earlier today over the Jazz. They won by 34 points. The Lakers have snuck home against the Grizzlies uh, by two points, 94 to 92. Some big buckets from LeBron James down the stretch. He finished with 26 points. Anthony Davis with 27 points as well, alongside LeBron there. And the other match uh, going on as we speak uh, sees the Timberwolves now in front of the Nuggets, 65 to 62. At half time, uh, just if you're catching up on some uh, English soccer scores this morning, the first semi final uh, in the Carling Cup, the League Cup, which is, well, Carabao Cup now it is, which is normally across two legs. It's just one leg uh, this year due to the COVID problem. Spurs beat Brentford, the championship side, 2 0. They're through to the final at Wembley, which will be played on April 25 uh, this year, a couple of months later. The other finalists will be decided uh, tomorrow morning when Manchester United host Manchester City at Old Trafford. Uh, keep sending your temper text through 0433 98 11 16 or give us a call 1300 736 736. We've been taking your calls and texts on the Olympics. Does it still get you excited? What are some of your favourite moments? We've also been asking uh, for your thoughts about pre-season training returning. What players do you want to see super fit? What players do you want to see stronger? And we spoke before, if you log on to the Essendon Twitter page, uh, James Stewart, uh, always some interesting hairstyles after Christmas and particularly in 2020 with players in hubs. I think they got a bit bored. There were some very interesting hairdos. And James Stewart has come back with a, I was going to say an absolute beauty, but I guess that's, uh, that's for you to decide. He's come back with the Peter Siddle. Peroxide, short, uh, almost yellow hair. Uh, to Elvie here says, Jules, Essendon have plenty of tall timber to take Stewart's place if he doesn't perform. I'm not suggesting... Uh, his hairstyle is going to hinder his performance. But a bit, big year for James Stewart. Uh, was trialled down back uh, late in the season, and uh, he didn't look too bad. So maybe a positional change uh, for James Stewart. The Bombers have obviously drafted a lot of talls. Probably not many of those will be ready next year. But Harrison Jones, uh, the man they drafted, uh, well, 18 months ago now, has uh, put on some size, and it was close to making his debut uh, in 2020. So good chance uh, he'll play some uh, footy this year. So uh, keep your eye out for some interesting hairstyles and some players that look uh, pretty fit. Just seen a, a, a picture of uh, Marcus Bontempelli as well. He's got the Matthew Rouse. He's got the shorts very, very high. Sort of Matthew Knight's Matthew Rouse style. So I'm not sure that's a new look uh, for the Bont uh, this year. Reminder, coming up uh, very shortly is Melbourne Victory defender Ryan Schotten, who's played some Premier League football uh, with Stoke. He's played plenty of football in the championship. Uh, he was signed by the Victory uh, late last month. He's been in quarantine, but he's uh, now out and ready to make his debut. So uh, very good signing for the Melbourne Victory. He played some football with Rudy Gestead, uh, the Melbourne Victory striker, another one of their summer sightings. So we'll speak to Brian about what life's been like in quarantine uh, for the last two weeks and also why he's decided at uh, 32 years of age uh, to continue his career uh, in the A-League uh, after playing so much football, over 200 games uh, in the uh, 
Premier League and also the Championship over there in England. Uh, his last club in the Championship was Middlesbrough, uh, where he played alongside Rudy Justed. But one of our favourites, Margaret from Sunbury, has run through, rung through, and she's got an Olympic memory. Margaret, welcome and uh, happy New Year to you. Oh, happy New Year to you, Julie. And I had to get in the act. I've been listening to all these callers, and I thought, <laughs> oh, gee, I've got to ring Julian too and tell him. Robert Di Costello, when he entered the arena after his long road race, that was a, an amazing sight. When the cheers come on, he entered the arena. Wonderful. You, you, before your time? Yeah, just a little bit before my time. Now, don't take, this, don't take this the wrong way, Margaret, but you've seen more Olympics than most of us. What, what's, your, what's, what's your earliest Olympic memory? Um, earliest would be uh, Landy. Landy, when yep. he run that race, rode, run that race. And he stopped. Was it him? Uh, the two guys that stopped and helped one another. Yeah, it was Landy. He, yep, yep, that's Landy, right. yeah. That was a wonderful time. And I can remember watching it in black and white TV. And then the TV was as big as, a, you know, the littlest thing sitting in the corner ever. <laughs> <laughs> this little box. You know, I reckon 18 by 20 or something like that. And uh, and I didn't, we didn't have the TV. Our friend had the TV. And I plagued her. Uh, I was down, can I come? Do you mind if I come again? No, you come again. <laughs> I went every night to see the Olympics. It was wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, and and uh, Dawn Fraser carrying the flag and winning her races, they were marvellous. She was a mighty swimmer too. And what about your beloved Blues? We had a text before saying Patty Cripps needs to get fitter. That, that's a bit, that's that a bit harsh, actually, isn't it, Margaret? I reckon, I reckon. I would nearly rang in then and said, Get a life. He's got a beautiful physique. <laughs> I think most guys would like his I physique. I wouldn't mind it, just quietly, yeah. Who of the Blues would you like to see come back super fit, though? I'm hoping that Charlie Curnow comes back. Well, he won't come back at the beginning. Super fit and uh, injury-free. I hope he's looking... I hope he comes back and gives us a better year. Yeah, I think even non-Blue uh, supporters would love to see Charlie Curnow back, in fairness. Charlie come back, but uh, most other... Oh, and I'd like to see my uh, uh, Liam James come back fit and well because I gave him a rough time and I think he's done as proud. Um, I don't know about McGovern. I don't know whether he's... <laughs> I thought you might say McGovern. Yeah, I think he needs to come reckon, back super fit. There's no I, doubt about that. He'd have to come back super fit and show us what he's all about. Absolutely. And another Olympians. What about the awesome foursome? Yes, that was a great memory. That's a great memory. Weren't they? Uh, they were fantastic. All great guys, those. I loved the rowing. I used to love it. Peter Landy I calling love, it. I loved, I loved it. Oh, pardon? Peter Landy calling the rowing. That's what I remember. Yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. Oh, no. This, there were some great, great events. I like all the different ones. See, I like the polvo and I like the javelin. I love the javelin. <laughs> Yeah, the track and field's the highlight for me as well. Hey, Margaret, thank you so much for your call. Uh, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Before we get to the news, uh, Brian from Chelsea Heights has an Olympic memory as well. G'day, Brian. Uh, g'day, mate. Well, I've got two. I was at, actually at Olympic Park when John Landy did stop and pick up Clark. Yeah, what a moment. I went on and beat uh, and, and won the race. Uh, I, I, uh, and uh, But the, the reason I rang you was it, it was 1956. No one could afford TVs. They were in shop windows on display. And we used to sit on the footpath in Paran. My old man had his long necks and, he, and he, his uh, neck hair. I'd have a, I'd have a, you know, say a coat, whatever it is. Mum would have the thermos. And there was a group I was set, and they put a speaker in the window and put the, the Olympics on the tally in the shop window, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. There must so have been sat around so many people around doing on, that. 
Well, we sat around on the foot. No one had TVs in those days. We sat around on the footpath every night, uh, right next to the Mount Erica Hotel, which was very handy for the old man. <laughs> and uh, and um, we, yeah, just said we watched the Olympics through through the shop window. Um, and, it was, that was, that was, that, and of course, in, in those days, you wasn't just us. The whole neighbourhood used to get out and you know sit on the sit on the footpath and, and watch the telly through the shop window. Do you still enjoy watching the Olympics? I do. I, I love sport, mainly AFL, but I love sport. Um, some I, I prefer to others. So I, uh, I love the running, uh, and uh, yeah, that's a bit mainly the running. To be honest, to be honest, I. Um, um, the others, some are a bit boring. I mean, the marathon I enjoy because my my wife and daughter ran marathons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so but I just love sport to be honest, like most Australians. And um, it, of course, the Olympics is the ultimate, isn't it? In a word, who's your footy team? Richmond Tigers, mighty Tigers. Oh, I'm seventy eight, and I have I've been watched every. At the game for every Richmond final since '67. Oh, you've seen a lot of success. A bit, bit of a gap in oh, between. I've had a lot of fun with them. A little gap and in between. A lot between. of grief as well. Yeah. A lot of grief as well. We had to save the Tigers. Uh, you know, when Kevin Barber yeah, and Neville uh, yeah. on the back of the trailer, we had kids. We, me and the two boys, were, were all part of that. Uh, you know that. You know, raising money for the Tigers. And uh, uh, I was a Richmond mascot when I was eight, mate. And I'm 78. Oh, beautiful. Hey, Brian, thank you uh, so much for your call, and uh, I'm sure you're enjoying the Tigers' work over the last four years. Sammy Fantasia has been holding on uh, desperately in the newsroom. We'll get to him now. Thank you, Sammy. Welcome back to SEN Afternoons. Julian DeStoop with you, 2, 3 o'clock. I missed a chance then to ask Margaret and Brian their thoughts on breakdancing coming into the 2024 Olympics. I reckon they would have been about as keen as that as Bob and Andy were when they discussed it uh, when that news came through about uh, three weeks ago. Not sure about breakdancing in the Olympics, but uh, that's probably a chat for another day. Let's turn our attention to football uh, and the A-League. It was great to see fans... Uh, back at Amy Park on the weekend. Unfortunately for the Victory fans, the result didn't go their way. A 3-1 loss uh, to Brisbane Raw in their season opener. They've, they've made a lot of signings uh, in the off-season, and one man they have signed is uh, English defender Ryan Shotner, who's got some uh, Premier League experience uh, with Stoke. Uh, he's also played in the Championship, and he's been good enough uh, to join us on the line. Uh, Ryan, thanks for your time, and uh, welcome to Australia. Thank you, Julian. Uh, nice having me. Thank you. So you've come to Australia and you're straight in quarantine straight away. How did uh, how did you cope with that? It was, to be honest with you, I can't complain. We were very well looked after in Sydney. Um, had the family over with me, two children and a wife, over the Christmas and holiday period as well. So they, they did everything they could for me. And I, I couldn't complain, really. How did you cope with the kids in quarantine for a couple of weeks? That's a different story, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was difficult to keep them busy and, you know, keep them entertained, but... You just have to let them, you know, let them run riot around the around the apartment, and you know, you you can't control everything. They'll hurt themselves at one point and bang the head on something. But <laughs> as I say, you you you've got to let them do it. Some days you can't do it, do much about it. Exactly. Now the the journey to Australia. Um, what led you to to coming out here and, and and continuing your career with the Melbourne Victory? I spoke to the manager um, initially, and he sold it to me. Really, um, says he wants a team of, of winners and players that want to compete um, at the very top. And that's what he aims for. And, he's, and I think he's, he's getting there now with a team that, you know, come a few weeks, we're going to be 
fighting fit and and ready to really really push on and and compete at the top. So I couldn't I couldn't say no to that. You know, I've been sportsman all my life, and if you don't go into professional sport not wanting to win things, and the fact that it was a city of Melbourne, and everything everything ticked all the boxes, and, and I couldn't turn it down. Had you been to Australia before? I hadn't. No, this is my first time. Yes, yeah. it's. Uh, I've only made it as far as Singapore, where my brother brother lives, but uh, I never thought I'd make it this far. But it's. Uh, I'm glad I have now. Now I do. I do promise you, Ryan. We do get summer in Melbourne. It, there hasn't really been summery <laughs> the last couple of days. But you've played Premier League football at the Britannia Stadium, which is anything but summery. It's windy. It's cold. It's wet. And now you might be playing some games in 40 degree heat. How do you think the body's going to cope with that? Yes, I'm, I'm hoping we don't get to them heights. To be honest, the 40 degrees will will really see me off, and you'll see me hands on knees, puffing at the side of the pitch, asking you know the physio for for whatever he can he can throw at me. Um, but yeah, a, a massive difference and change in in the way that you know, as you say, you're familiar with <laughs> the weathers of England, and the Britannia Stadium was the worst for it. But to come here and you know everybody's saying the weather will pick up. I promise you. I promise you. And I'm more than happy with this. You know, <laughs> more than happy. It's snow, it's snowing back home, so you know, we're we're happy. The family are out. We've been to the park this morning, and I've just picked them back up, and we're going out again today. So I can't. I really can't complain. It's I'm happy how we are. Now it's going to be 35 degrees on Monday, so you'll get a bit of a taste of it uh, in a few days' time. How much did you know about the A League before uh, deciding to venture on over? I've not done. You know, I've not sat and watched. A lot of games. Um, obviously, when there was, when there was interest, I, I started to watch um, back games, and I watched the Champions League when Melbourne were in it. And you know what? It's a very good standard, and you can't you can't knock it. And training with with the team that I had them this week, the standard is very high, and the demand of other players is you know they demand the best. So I know I'm in the right place. That you know if I'm if I'm lacking, somebody will be there to tell me. And vice versa, there's there's no two ways about it. We are building a team that is wanting to compete and, and Grant's got that in abundance in the team at the minute. You played some football with Rudy Justed, who's also at the Melbourne Victory. Did you consult with him before coming over? I did. I spoke to Rudy and Cal McManaman. Um, and Cal, he spelt it, I, he sold it to me even more than anybody. He said he's only been out of quarantine one day and he went honestly you will not regret it get over quarantine and it is amazing and that was you know he'd only been out one day and he went flew to Qatar so that tells me a lot <laughs> you know he's he's learning as, as as I am and he's not seen anywhere near as much as as we as we will do in the next coming months and whatnot so he both really really said you know what it's brilliant you know it's the traveling Okay, you get over the travelling, the quarantine, which is necessary for what we need to do, and the world's your oyster, and I'm seeing it at the minute. Yeah, excellent. And I'm tipping he's just been talking about his goal since the weekend. The what? Sorry. The goal that uh, McManaman scored on the weekend was an absolute <laughs> yeah. cracker. It was. It was some goal, and I'm surprised he hasn't mentioned it to me. <laughs> I, I, I thought that would be the first thing he mentioned, but he hasn't mentioned it. <laughs> which means he didn't actually mean it. He just swung his left foot at it and uh, it just happened to nestle in the top corner, which he, he was more than happy with. Obviously, a bit of a disappointing result for the team, and obviously you didn't play, but what's been the feeling around the group uh, since that result on the weekend? 
to be honest, I, because I didn't know them beforehand, the game and and whatnot. But they've they've been very upbeat. Training's been of a good standard, and, and Steve Keane said himself yesterday, we can't sit and rest on that loss. Loss and win will come. We've got to deal with it in the right way both times. So you've moved on. We've got another game at the weekend and we've got to push on for that and make sure everybody's prepared and ready for that. Now, the old long throw was a pretty good weapon at Stoke for yourself and uh, Rory Delap became famous for it. Will we see a few of those in the A-League this season? <laughs> well, well, I'm I'm sure there will be. Um, you know, if there's last-minute games that we need to push on and try and win or score a goal, then I'm sure if we've got it in that area, I'll be I'll be throwing it in. I'm not sure many people will have seen it before over here. But I'll be more than willing to bring it out and, and show you, yes. <laughs> and finally, you're in Melbourne, and I'm not sure how aware you are of Australian rules football, uh, how much you know about it, but you're going to have to pick a team while you're here. Do you know much about uh, Australian <laughs> rules football? That is putting me on the spot. I, I wouldn't know a team at all. No, I'm sorry. That's all right. Just... I apologise to the to the fans, but... No. Uh, well, Go you on, hit me. Well, well your, your media man down there, Jeremy Arnold, is a big Essendon supporter, as am I. So yeah. uh, it's been a lean 20 years for the Bombers, but we used to be a powerhouse. So if you want to jump on someone that's coming back to the top, maybe jump on the Bombers if you want to. Okay. Um, uh, I'll take your advice then and I'll look up for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get, get, get Jens to fill you in. Uh, Ryan, it's great to have you in Australia. You will love Melbourne. Uh, we all can't wait to see you get out there and perform for the Melbourne victory very shortly. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Julian. Take care. Great. Great to have Ryan Shotton, um, new Melbourne victory defender, former Premier League footballer uh, with Stoke, also played plenty of football uh, in the championship as well. Uh, it's an ex- another exciting signing for the Melbourne victory, and uh, he'll be in action uh, very shortly. Just a reminder, Melbourne victory membership, as we said, it was a great to see uh, all the fans uh, back out there. Victory fans, stand as one with the club by becoming a member today. Gain priority access to tickets this season by joining or renewing as a member today. Head to gomvfc.com.au for more information. Now stick with us. Plenty more coming up on Afternoons. Welcome back to Afternoons. Julian DeStoop with you. Nearly done for the afternoon. The boys on drive will bring you home. Cam Luke, uh, yesterday it was Brad Johnson. He only wanted to do a day of work, so he's gone. And Scotty Cummings uh, is coming in to sit alongside uh, Cam Luke. Uh, got some nice feedback off the back of that chat uh, with Ryan Shotton. Uh, I'm not a soccer fan, but I'll be watching the victory after that chat. I like the cut of his jib, whatever that means. I don't even know what a cut of your jib means. It's a good saying, though. Nice old school saying. And never, another one here on the back of the long throw. So for those of you who are not football fans, Rory Delap was a player that played for Stoke and he played for Derby. And he was most famous for his long throws. Basically, he could throw it right from the sidelines, right into the teeth of goal. And quite often it would lead uh, to goals. And uh, Ryan's got a similar throw on him. And someone here, Daniel's written, never forget watching Dave Chalinor playing for Tranmere Rovers, who had the longest throw in the world. Can't say I'm familiar uh, with Dave's work, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, Daniel, uh, got one here. If Tanks of Footscray, I think it's a bit of a cricket fan's written in. Jules, who gets man of the match in the New Zealand versus Pakistan game? Williamson for his 238 or Jamison for 11 wickets so far and a very handy 30 off 22? That is a good question. Oh, I think you'd have to be pretty unlucky to make 238 and not get man of the match. Uh, it's almost all over there in Christchurch as well. Pakistan now 9 for 171. Jamison, the man you mentioned there, Tanks, has 6 
for 48 in the second innings. Trent Bolt, two for 39. I oh, see now, here we go. Kane Williamson's just got a wicket. So Kane Williamson will be man of the match. He's got one for 16 off, a bit expensive, one for 16 uh, off 2.5. But uh, still 191 runs uh, behind Pakistan. The Kiwis declared at six for 659, 238 uh, for their skipper in Kane Williamson. So Tanks, I think Kane Williamson uh, will get man of the match. And we're not going to be too far away from finding out uh, that because that match is almost over. Now, we mentioned earlier, we've been talking about uh, players you want to see come back super fit or put on a bit of weight uh, in terms of the young players. And we had a text, uh, still haven't put his name to this one, or she, uh, who said that Paddy Cripps needs to get fitter. Margaret rang through. We asked Margaret. Margaret said she was going to ring up and tell that person to pull their head in. Well, they've responded saying, gee, it stings getting told to get a life from Margaret. I meant Cripps from a healthier and more freedom in his running, etc. It wasn't a knock on him at all. So a bit of context there. I did think it was a bit surprising uh, if you were knocking Paddy Cripps for his physique. But uh, you're right, he certainly wasn't as healthy as he could have been last year uh, due to the injury it looked like to his knee. So hopefully he's fit and firing uh, this year. And just another one on the back of uh, the chat with Ryan Shotton. Hi, Julian. As a passionate Potters supporter, so that's a Stoke supporter, I can tell you that Shotton is equal to the lap in long throws. So that'll certainly be something to look out for uh, in the A-League season uh, when Ryan uh, gets out there uh, for the Melbourne victory. We'll take one more break and we'll be back to wrap up on SEN Afternoon. Welcome back to Afternoons. Just about done and about to hand over to the boys on drive, Cam, Luke and Scotty Cummings. So I had an SMS on the temper text line before say they like the cut of Ryan Shotton's jib and they asked, what does that mean? And I didn't know either, but it means... In the 17th century, the shape of the jib sail often identified a vessel's nationality and hence whether it was hostile or friendly. So there's one for a, a trivia night if you're ever asked what that means. And on Monday, if you remember, we're speaking to Andy Harper uh, about Cristiano Ronaldo breaking Palais' record of most goals during his career when he scored his 758th goal uh, last week. Now, of course, Lionel Messi also broke uh, Palais' record for most goals with the one club when he scored his 644th goal. We're asking whether Palais would accept this. We know Palais a great soccer player, not the most humble guy going around Palais. And his club over in Brazil, Santos, has released a statement saying his actual total of goals was 1,091. And they said the argument of some analysts is that so many of these 448 goals scored in friendly matches were faced with weak opponents, such as small or regional teams. Still, the matches were played in official uniforms with the official rules of the game and with a score sheet, the statement read. Pele basically consigned this statement with an update to his Instagram bio that listed his all-time goal-scoring record as 1,283 to include the ones he scored for Santos, Brazil and the New York Cosmos. So basically, he doesn't accept it. He doesn't accept that Messi's beaten him and he doesn't accept that Ronaldo's beat him. So... uh, not a great surprise there that uh, Palais probably hasn't actually picked up the phone and congratulated uh, either of those two men about their achievements. Uh, but just about done for this afternoon. Uh, Cam Luke and Scotty Cummings will bring you home on drive amongst their guests are Damien Fleming, uh, who will preview the test uh, tomorrow. Part of the SEN uh, commentary team coverage gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And also Peter Siddle uh, will be on the program. What great form he's shown for the Adelaide Strikers uh, this year, he's got a bit of an indifferent haircut, but it certainly hasn't affected uh, his bowling at all. So a big show coming up. Then Big Bash Nation uh, back tonight. It's the Scorchers and also the Sixers 
uh, in action tonight. But we're all looking forward to that test. Just a reminder, 9am tomorrow, the coverage uh, gets underway with Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson leading the call team. But now it's time for Drive with Cam Luke and Scotty Cummings. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.